Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Romantic Underpinnings. It's a podcast. I am Andrew, and this is Ashton. Hi! That's right! This is the collaboratively written historical romance novel podcast, where I write a chapter from the perspective of the heroine of our novel, and then Ashton reads it out loud for the first time in very rough draft form in front of our adoring audience. And then we switch, and next week, as was the case last week, Ashton writes a chapter from the perspective of the hero of the podcast, and we make it up as we go along. We banter, we offer constructive critique of each other's work, we offer non-constructive critique of each other's work. <laughs> I was about to say. And, you know, I'm really not feeling the huge plot synopsis. Let's just not do a huge plot synopsis. Plot synopsis? Plot synopsis. Exactly. Let's, let's truncate just like that and see if our adoring audience complains about getting lost. They can. That's true. If you don't like it, that's fine. Let us know on our socials, which are... Oh, did you see that segue? Amazing. Um, our website's romanticunderpinnings.com, as is our Instagram. And our Twitter is at romunderpot. Also, I would like to say, this might be a real weird episode, dear listeners, because we are sat next to each other due to some weird furniture issues we're having. That I'm sure will bore you to tears, but the energy in here is odd. It's palpable, electrifying. I would say. Well, and Andrew warned me before that the recording started that this chapter is weird. So perhaps it is. it goes with the whole atmosphere we're creating. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> I'm like kind of worried. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's going to be fine. That was too many fines. I'm like now even less certain than ever. I'm more certain. (laughs) Okay. Should I just go? I should just rip the band-aid? I'm ready. You're ready. Everyone's ready. Yeah. This is chapter 24. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. Yeah, are you sure it's not chapter 24 labeled and then chapter 23 in the body of the text? This <laughs> is chapter 24. <laughs> Up and down, everywhere, left and right. Everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, we skipped ahead. I love it. Okay. <clears throat> Paris was everything Agatha could have imagined and more. She had seen woodcuts of the dizzying spires and broad avenues of Paris, but none of them conveyed the overpowering smell. (laughs) Also, this novel is more spire than uh, page. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you have something that just works, you go for it. I guess. It was no worse than the London docks, but the smell seemed to fit much better among London's slouching architecture and narrow lanes. Paris doesn't have narrow lanes. Well, it's more known for wide, broad avenues than a place like London Uh, is. Fair enough. Okay. Their stolen mules joined a wide variety of livestock carts, carriages, soldiers, vendors, and painted ladies of uncertain profession. Really uncertain? Uncertain. (laughs) 
The last couple of days of travel had been blissfully uneventful, and now they had arrived in what seemed like the most eventful place that any of the crew had seen on their travels. Agatha dismounted her donkey. Oh, shit. Donkey? You it's said a mule. mule earlier in the chapter, like three sentences ago. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> That's really amazing. <clears throat> Walked over to Anthony and gestured at him to do the same. Anthony even looked good when clambering out from behind Lobo. He's riding behind him. Yeah. No, he's not. He, yeah, he's riding behind Lobo. Oh, my God. No, you can't have the person who knows how to ride a horse ride behind, just so you know, because they don't know how to steer or anything. Oh. So if, he, if Anthony actually knew how to ride a horse, which I think we discussed, mm-hmm. he would have to sit in the front. Just FYI. Because of the reins and shit. Oh. I mean, unless the person is much smaller... And the arms can go around, so they I can mean, have the I mean, we know reins. that Anthony has extremely substantial arms, as we covered in <laughs> my previous chapter. Right, but, like, then Lobo, that would be really weird with the reins. Because I don't well, unless Lobo's, like, a tiny human. He's not super tiny. Okay, so maybe, I guess it's sort of like riding a motorcycle. The yeah, The person kinda. steering the motorcycle is generally not behind the person taking the ride. Correct. All right. Well, I thought it was a funnier image, and I didn't think it mattered. It is a funnier image. It does sort of matter. Okay. Well, I'll come up with something else in the edit. (laughs) Anthony even looked good clambering out from behind... Oh, when clambering out from behind Lobo and down from an overstimulated mule. Now it's a mule again. Well, no. Agatha (laughs) was riding a donkey. Anthony was riding a mule. For all we know, the donkey was one of the mule's parents. (laughs) That we went back in time and got? <laughs> well, yes. It had been a mule previously, but it, it you know, that was a, a misidentification because the crew is not very uh, taxonomically proficient. Ah. So it's been a donkey this whole time. Eh, let's figure it out later. <laughs> I don't want to doubt your leadership, Anthony, but have you figured out where we're going to stay? Agatha looked up at Anthony's dark stubble as he fell into stride next to her. Uh, not exactly, said Anthony, but I have a plan. Agatha winced. Does it involve the crew splitting up? Yes, said Anthony. Can it get us all arrested? It depends on whether we're still split up, Anthony said. Will I be able to go with you? asked Agatha. Not according to my current plan. It must not be much of a plan if I can't be there to protect you. You might as well tell me so I can decide whether or not to foment a mutiny. Agatha's Agatha's asking to protect him? Yeah. She's referencing how she hit, uh, what's his face, Dunley. Ah, okay. With the rock and or stick. (laughs) (laughs) Got downgraded to a stick, eh? It was a tree branch, I think. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's really a rock. It was the really whole a rock. Anyway. Okay. <clears throat> Anthony said, look, we don't have a lot of great options. We need to stay somewhere discreet, somewhere where somewhere where nobody asks too many questions as long as the patrons pay with good coin. Zuh. But the but despite our disinclination to spread word of a bunch of Englishmen arriving in town with dubious motives, we need to stay somewhere where gossip flows freely. I can think of only one solution. Oh, no, Agatha muttered before picking up the volume. We're staying in another body house. I've heard that the French ones are very nice, said Anthony. I bet you have. 
Agatha, I need you to trust me on this. You're a critical part of our plan. Any of us might face danger wandering into unknown houses as prospective customers. I was thinking that you could, uh, dress as a woman and pretend to be, uh, seeking employment. That way you can gauge the proprietors of a variety of houses and let us know which one might be the safest. Oh, Lord. I don't know that he would feel comfortable. Like, he would not be good with her, like, servicing a bunch of people. Well, no, she's just doing the job interviews. I see. Okay, that's okay, his okay, plan okay. is for right, her to I just see. like meet okay, with that's the ladies sli- who that run makes the slightly more sense then. That is kind of a good plan. Well, let's see how what happens for the rest of the chapter. Oh, they're not going to follow through on this? Let's find out. Oh, man. The um, anticipation is killing me. <clears throat> In the din of the street, neither of them had heard Dunley padding up behind them. What's this about dressing up as a woman? asked Dunley. As short as I am, I might be the just the ticket, and you won't find a better one for sneaking around than me. I don't think he's very good at sneaking around. He thinks he is. Oh, shit. He, is, he did t- fucking take Anthony by surprise. You gotta give him that. Yeah, but Anthony was lost in dreams uh, of Agatha staring at Agatha in her sleep or I whatever see. the hell. Yeah, she was stirring, but that's even more distracting. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyway. Dunley had been cloyingly sweet to Anthony and Agatha since he'd been reluctantly admitted to the crew. Even keeping pace with Anthony's commanding stride, he gave the impression of bouncing on the balls of his feet in eagerness. Thank you for your enthusiasm, said Anthony, but I think that Agatha here is very well suited for the job. Uh, Dunley replied with a dawning realization. Do you mean to tell me he's actually a woman? Sorry, that he's actually a woman. I thought that Agatha was just a fun nickname that he'd picked up at sea. Before I met me wife. Me wife, really? Yeah, that, I'm trying to do, you do like dialect sometimes, and I never do. I just have people. I try. Exactly, and I just have people. Um, Talking. Well, speaking in sesquipedalian sprawls that no one could manage extemporaneously, That's much true. less uh, the relatively uneducated non-Agatha characters in this book. Yeah, you do give people quite a lot of like. $5 words just out of nowhere. I mean, you talk like that, but I would assume not all these people are talking like that. Probably not, but yeah, I'm actually quite proud of sesquipedalian sprawls. But I don't it, know what that means, so I just was going to ignore it. But now that you've mentioned it again, what is sesquipedalian? Uh, well, it's used to describe really long words. The etymology it's is amazing. So obnoxious. But uh, anyway, that's uh, I'm just trying... To be a man of the people and write <laughs> Dunley like I thought you might write Dunley and use a oh, me instead of my. Nice of you. Yeah, see? Sort of. Is that a compliment, kind of? Well, I think that you put more effort into actually communicating differences in character by writing, whereas um, I write everyone speaking almost exactly the same and barely even give speaking roles to the people who wouldn't talk like I do. So, uh... So, yeah. Yeah, it's a compliment. You couldn't have just said, yeah. (laughs) I'm rounding out the compliment. I see. All right, all right. Before I met me wife, quite a few of my army friends enjoyed my performances as Rebecca. See, Rebecca's even a sexier name. Yeah, it is. (laughs) 
I'm sure Rebecca's services will not be required, said Anthony. Aren't you supposed to be watching the luggage cart? Don't worry, sir. I got Charlie to take over so I could get a briefing on your plans. Agatha spun around to seek out the luggage cart as she heard Anthony's voice. Do they have a luggage cart? They don't well, really yeah, have any they, luggage. They stole a cart for their supplies. I mean, luggage, it's, it's not like, you know, like <laughs> Louis Vuitton roller bags and stuff. But, but wouldn't they it had... just be like an empty cart because Jack was sitting in it? No, he was riding with the stuff, I'm pretty oh, sure. What stuff do they have, though? They don't have they stuff. They took some of their cargo, I think. They just took the gems. Oh, I thought they took some other... What was the other cargo? I don't know. And they all had, like, little bags. All right, fine. Cool. It's not a lot of luggage, but they they took some stuff. And a jack. Okay. Jack had I mean, gotten out enough. and started walking, by the way, as most of them did. Once they got to Paris. Well, yeah, obviously. Agatha, I would assume that some of them would take walking breaks anyway, because those poor fucking mules are just dead. Not great for the mules. No. Okay. <clears throat> Agatha spun around to seek out the luggage cart as she heard Anthony's voice. It's also funny that it's a luggage cart. Like, why don't you just call it like a wagon or a cart or something? <laughs> I, I think I spend too much time in airports. Yeah. <laughs> you let Charlie guard the luggage cart? I can assure you that wasn't part of my plan. But how was I supposed to know, sir, until I came up here and found out? Agatha quickly picked out both donkeys. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man, I love it so much. I'm here for it. I don't care. So we started with two mules. <laughs> and then we ended up with a mule and a donkey. And now we have two donkeys. Um... Amazing. I, the only Amazing. explanation is that there is some, like, incredible genetic mutation just rampaging through Paris in 1690, <sighs> and it's causing donkey, or it's causing mules to just morph into donkeys. I will say, the reason I picked mules is because they're quite a bit bigger and able to, like, do this kind of work. Well, than yeah. donkeys, by just this so point, you know. Yeah, but by this point, no one was riding them, so it didn't matter. They all hopped off and they just transformed yeah. into their patronage or something. No, not pa- parentage. Yeah. Yeah. They seized their patrimony. Sure. <clears throat> Agatha quickly picked out both donkeys on the street just behind them, but the one that had been towing the cart seemed much happier than before. Sure enough, she didn't see the she couldn't see the cart anywhere. Sir, she muttered to Anthony. Apparently not hearing her, Anthony continued haranguing Dunley. Dunley, you have to understand that I was being... What is that? Facetious. Facetious just now. You've only known Charlie for a few days, but even you should know that leaving Charlie in charge of all of our belongings, Anthony, Agatha managed to interrupt, could only lead to a disastrous situation that we can ill afford. I'm sure that Lobo has a few rubies tucked about his person, but without the bulk of our money and supplies, we won't even be able to afford lodgings in Paris, much less be able to return to London. And you're willing to jeopardize all that to... Ow! Agatha was glad that Anthony had given her a couple of boxing lessons since that dangerous interlude in the forest. She couldn't help but smile as Anthony grabbed his arm and winced with pain, despite the gravity of the situation. Anthony, the card is gone. I don't even see Charlie back there. I have no idea how someone managed to unfasten the mule's harness. I don't think Mule. I don't think 
<laughs> it's a mule again. Oh my god, honey. <laughs> I don't think it's the harness exactly. Would it be the harness? Yeah, it would be. I mean, okay. I feel like you'd need a harness involved. No, it would be. Yeah. I was thinking... No, the harness goes about the head. There's another, like, piece. No, but there'd be, like, a chest piece. Yeah, like but it goes over the their harness. back. But I don't think it's part of the harness. Oh. I, I could be wrong. I don't know what that's called. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to have to... I wonder... We're going to have to, like, go on some mule riding expedition at some point. Okay, I'm ready. You can tow me in a little cart. I don't you think ride. you would like it. Well, that, I, I would love it in the cart. You can do I all guess. the riding. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, but, 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 I have no idea how someone managed to unfasten the mule's harness, but you've let whoever stole our belongings get quite a head start. At this, Anthony finally stopped and turned around in the middle of the street, only to dodge a large cart full of cabbages a few seconds later. He danced among the oncoming traffic, hopping up and over, hopping up over and peering between various obstructions before finally slumping his shoulders and resuming a resigned gait. It's hopeless, he said. They could have disappeared down any alley, and who knows where these alleys lead. Now we don't even have enough money to follow through with my plan. I don't want to minimize this situation, Agatha said, but the one bright spot is that your plan was terrible anyway. Even if I still had that dress I escaped in, I was taught French to fit into high society. Nobody would believe that I was seeking employment in the field of negotiable affection. My accent would give me away in a second. Okay, I love the field of negotiable <laughs> affection so much. I stole it from Terry Pratchett. Dang it! Mm -hmm. I thought you came up with it. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to be really impressed. Yeah, he had a lot. He was really good with euphemisms. Negotiable affection. Oh, man. Anthony frowned at her. Now that you've added insult to quite literal injury, yikes, do you have a better idea of what to do? Of course, Agatha said, and it's partially inspired by your terrible idea. I agree that we should secure lodging in a body house, but we'll do it my way. Don't you remember how popular Peter de Hauk was with the ladies at Stella's house? I've been wondering about that. They all seem to take a shine to you right away. Did you tell them a amusing... I can never pronounce that word. How do you say it? Anecdotes. Anecdotes. I don't know why. There, I have a brain block on anecdotes. I always want to say like anecdotes or something. It's a strangely constructed yeah, word. Yeah, the C in there throws me off every time. <clears throat> Did you tell them amusing anecdotes about your Dutch upbringing? Agatha drew a deep breath and sighed it out. Look, Anthony, you need to remember that not everyone is as pure as you. I might as well tell you, and I hope this doesn't change anything <laughs> between us. You see, I fucked them. I fucked them all, and if I do say so myself, they had a perfectly delightful time. They were falling over themselves to feel actual pleasure instead of what you sailors could manage. Anthony went pale. What? All of them? Not Stella. Oh, goodness, I hadn't even thought of that. But how did you deceive all those ladies that you were... Sorry. Deceive all of those ladies into thinking that you were a man even in such, um, intimate circumstances? Agatha slapped her forehead in frustration. Oh, come on, Anthony. You've been with men, right? Well, I'm sure your equipment is very nice indeed. It isn't the sole talisman that unlocks the chambers of sensual delight. <laughs> 
Good. Us women can have a very nice time together. Point taken, said Anthony. But where does that leave us? Do you trust me, Anthony? Of course, Agatha. You've done nothing but surprise and delight me since we met. Just surprise and delight, not like anguish or upset or lie or <laughs> anything else. Okay, well, yeah, it was a rocky road, but he's come to a place of surprise and delight now. <laughs> That's true. He shouldn't say nothing but. Yeah, because there's other... Sh I mean, listen, he, he can be at this place, mm -hmm. but, but there yeah. were several tantrums. That is that true. That got us here. I mean, name true. like two, but still. Mm -hmm. You're right. Okay. <clears throat> You've done nothing but surprise and delight me since we met, although the last five minutes has been heavy on the surprise. I know that you'll always try to do what's best for us and the rest of the crew. Good, said Agatha. I'm going to need you to hold on to that trust because I think it's time to stop being Agatha for a while and start being Peter DeHauk again, if only briefly. I'll need to find a pop, a body house and begin to make myself useful. Peter was popular with the ladies both before and after he got unavoidably unmasked. I'll make sure to find us a place that we can use as a base of operations until we find Charlie. Not to mention finding some secrets. We just need a meeting place. It's a little before noon, but I'll try and get us a place by nightfall. Do you see that big church? asked Anthony, pointing to some spires rising from an island in the Seine. Oofta. It's a cathedral, Agatha said. Okay, let's meet in the square in front of that cathedral at nightfall. I'll tell the others and we'll do our best to find our missing man and missing belongings in the meantime. It's called Notre, Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame? Notre Dame. My bad. Agatha said, and you really don't mind if I use any means necessary to ingratiate myself at some body house. Hold on. Are you telling me he doesn't know what Notre Dame is? Yeah, he doesn't. Why would he not know that? I don't think it's super common knowledge. Like, he grew up in a very Protestant country. Um, yes. Yes. It's like, I don't think news of the big tourist attractions was quite as prominent in an area. Did you look at when it was built? Pretty much before tourism. Well, I, it, was, it had definitely been around for at least a few hundred years at this point. Okay. Fine. Oh, that's fine. Except for, he's so well-traveled, and it not it like one of the biggest churches in France? Uh, there's actually, like, a surprising amount bigger. Really? There's at least, like, yeah, it's not even the biggest church in the Paris metro area, I don't think. Are you kidding? No, I'm pretty sure Saint-Denis is bigger. Oh, Saint I could be wrong. Okay, but still. But he he mostly hewed to the coasts. Like, he's never been to Paris before. How do you know? I think he's been to Paris. Rando sailors don't just show up in Paris. Like, they would right. be in the ports, like Marseille and uh, All right. Rouen, uh, not Rouen, like Marseille and that one they were in before, Le Havre, that kind of stuff. Um, oh, what's I that other one? I still don't think it's, I don't remember the other town we talked about, but I still think he would know what Notre Dame is. I mean, he hasn't seen The Hunchback? I, you know... <laughs> The uh, eponymous Hunchback of Notre Dame novel was not written until the mid-19th century. Oh, of course you would actually know that. I was talking about the really not great Disney movie. Well, it's just, yeah, you've got to, you can't make a really not great Disney movie without breaking a few Victor Hugos. That's what I always say. <laughs> Is that what you always say? Yeah. 
I still feel like he would know. Isn't it like it's dead in the center of the city? If you've been to the city or you know a lot about Paris, you absolutely know it. But I think like this is an era before like everyone in the world knew about knew a lot about Paris. Mm, Maybe. Uh, So has Agatha been there before? No, but she has seen a lot of woodcuts and been taught French. Oh, yeah, we, you said that in the beginning. <clears throat> okay. Um, 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 of course not, Anthony said. I'm not sure how I'd feel about you actually becoming intimate with the ladies, but you don't have enough time for that. But you don't have enough time for that anyway. At least not without a significant amount of money. <laughs> Agatha loved this man, and she loved him as much for his naivete as for his open mind and caring attitude. Go find Charlie and meet me at Notre Dame. Notre Dame. God dang it. Meet me at the school in, is it in Michigan? I know, it's in uh, South Bend, Indiana. Why do you know that? (laughs) Everyone knows that. You're so funny. I don't know that. I thought it was in Michigan. What's the one in Michigan I'm thinking of? There isn't one. I mean, I don't know of a big Catholic whatever school with a weird mascot or whatever in Michigan. But see, this is exactly my point. Because you are the equivalent of a person in 1690 who wouldn't have heard about Notre Dame in Paris. I guess. I'm Agatha, and I know all about South Bend, Indiana. You do, huh? Because you're from there. I've seen the woodcuts. (laughs) Go find Charlie and meet me at Notre Dame. I'll be thinking of you. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. End of chapter, as Andrew says. That's right. That's the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. That is it. It's pretty fun because, like... Finite. You, you can just have everyone fanning about Paris getting in all sorts of mischief. You could, you know, skip ahead and see what Agatha did. You can leave me to write about Agatha and in parallel time frames. There's all sorts of things that could happen. There are all sorts of things that could happen. Especially with Agatha. But also the rest <laughs> of the crew. Yes. Yes. You're correct. Do you think Paris really smelled bad in 1690? I'm positive it did. Yeah. Plumbing was yeah. far from what it is these days. So... It's not that Paris and London were particularly bad smelling, but as the size and density of a European city in the 17th century grew, the smell would grow, um, I want to say concomitantly, but I don't know if that's a correct usage. You would want to say concomitantly. Why don't you just say, like, exponentially? Uh, Because it might be more of an algebraic uh, expansion than uh, exponential. Not sure. Oh, I see. I think. Yeah. Straight line versus line that curves up and has an asymptote, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But Got anyway, it. the straight Got line it. can still go up quite steeply without being exponential. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure European cities before significant amounts of running water and indoor plumbing were quite stinky indeed. Not to mention the livestock. You know, trucks, yeah. you gotta have a lot of livestock just like sitting in your city with you. Right. All right, fair enough. So, yes, but what I love is in this time period, you've got the stink and the splendor. You think Um, it was really splendorous? I was actually sort of debating that because... How big was it? Couldn't have been that big. I mean, it was pretty hefty, but 
Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was hefty. It wasn't wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. No, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the actual like wide avenues and stuff didn't really start showing up until the 18th century. Yeah, I'm I was pretty wondering sure. about that, actually. No, there was like a, a big... Um, Oh, actually, I used to know the guy's name. There was a huge fire, right? And they redid it? I don't know if there was a fire. I think they just... There was something, though, and some guy, like, replanned all the stuff to have it, like, spokes on a wheel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Blah, 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 it's, blah, it's and the wide avenues. Yeah, they imported him to do Washington, D.C. later. Really? Um, Yeah, same dude, um, hmm. whose name I used to know. But anyway, yeah, so... They basically just, like, I think it probably was more of a narrow lanes and slouching art architecture type of place at the time. Um, it probably had a few, you know, uh, leafy esplanades or whatever. But, um, no, the Paris as we know it with the big, wide, orderly, straight streets and stuff is definitely an 18th century invention. But I oh, didn't yeah, want to... The stuff is probably still all wood at this time and whatever. Because now it's all like gorgeous stone and marble and whatever, whatever rocks they could find. I don't know what rocks, but yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I'm sure the... Yeah, so it was very different, but I'm just relying... You're I just... didn't... Well, I didn't leave myself time to research and I decided mm. I... There were probably a few That's wide true. leafy avenues, even if the city hadn't been totally redone yet. But there were there were already very nice palaces That's in true. Paris. There was a palace like where the Garden of Tuileries is now. Oh yeah. There was like an extra palace. The Louvre was already around, I'm pretty sure. Really? Yeah, in some form. I, I think it got that. expanded a little over the years. Oh, it crap. had to have. It's like an entire city block. Yeah, but there's been like some oh, kind some of castle of slash palace museum there. Museum slash well, nice. I think it only became a museum after the revolution. Oh, a little well, ways that after makes the sense, revolution. Right. But, but it, oh, so it was like a. An it was an actual place. palace. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that either. Yeah, Just... which is weird because the Tuileries was also a palace and they're right next oh, to I each knew other. Oh, I too. And I don't know how that worked, but we're going to find out because you are not going to wait until literally one hour before now to start <laughs> writing. Oh, wait, no, that's not, the, not true. I started almost two hours but ago. Yes, I probably won't start two hours before we're slated to record. We oh, start writing. Yeah, I started only one hour before slated well, to record. Well, you know what I mean. But yes. So you can research everything about Paris, mm. and so you'll just you'll just take that deep well of knowledge and then just add that piquant pinch of adventure. What? What am I adding? A piquant pinch of adventure. <laughs> Dear listeners, he's making a very funny gesture with his hands as if he's cooking, which is hilarious. I am Salt Bay. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Um, one does still always, though, get the sense, even when, like, one is reading about historical blah, 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 that Paris has always been, like, nicer than London. Or, like, more, like, light pink and white as opposed to, like, brown, you know, or something. Yeah, like, I mean... London is for business, and Paris is for cherry blossoms and romance. Yeah, I, I think the, like that, you know? the discrepancy was perhaps not as wide back mm -hmm. in the day, but I'm sure there maintained a discrepancy nonetheless. But yeah, even when people, even when you read stuff, I feel like that's historical. It still kind of has those feelings. Oh, for sure. But maybe that's like modern you know, people. 
Well, you also don't, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of historical fiction set around Paris starting in the mid 18th century. It's true. Um, I don't know what was going on before the mid 18th century, except for, you know, stolen carts and cathedrals and mythical donkeys turned mules and then back again. There is a lot of metamorphosis happening. Yeah, like the Hilary Duff album. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to think about the series of Ovid poems, but you do, yeah. Or Kafka, that book. Oh, yeah, good stuff. That is Kafka, right? Hell yeah. yeah. See, I have a, a huge expanse of things to call metamorphosis to draw upon. Betwixt uh, Hilary Duff and Kafka. I had forgotten about the Hillary Duff, so. <laughs> Did you even know she had an album called, she's a musical album called Metamorphosis. I mean, I knew she was a singer, but I was not up on any of her uh, album titles. Why not? How dare you? I was not paying attention in, I'm going to say, Metamorphosis, probably not one of her like early, late 90s albums. So I'm going to say it came out in 2002. She doesn't have any early, late 90s. She only has like three albums. I'm guessing one of them came and out And one of them is the like 2015. Ah, let's see. All I'm right. sure our listeners are on the edges of their seats. This is even more exciting than the plot of our extremely exciting book. Uh, I mean, our book is more exciting, I think. Okay, Metamorphosis 2003. Nailed it. Oh, so I was only a year off. Hell yeah. What'd you say? I said 2002. Oh. But I thought it wasn't her first album. And That's it her, like first it was album. her first album. Okay, well, still, I was only Well, a year unless off. you count her Christmas album called Santa Claus Lane, which I don't mm. because it's a Christmas album. Not particularly. And she's a self-titled. Then there's one in 07. I was wrong. She has four albums. There's one in 07 called Dignity and then her 2015, which is called Breathe In, Breathe Out. All right. Well, I was either a sophomore or junior in college when Metamorphosis came out. Mm-hmm. I was not keeping my ear to the Hillary Duff ground. Yeah, I was 12. So it was like prime Hillary Duff time. Hmm. Anyway, less of that. <laughs> More. You're going to have to cut out some of that, I think. More anticipate. Well, Please. <laughs> so, review this podcast. Even this podcast. We want your reviews. <laughs> we want your ratings. We want your subscriptions. We want your downloads. We want your merch purchases from our website. You, We want you to like what we post on Instagram and Twitter. And we want you to tune in again next week. For another episode of Romantic Underpinnings. Languidly yours.